Metu Netter, Volume 1, The Great Oracle of Tehuti in the Egyptian System of Spiritual Cultivation. Chapter 7, The Cosmological View of Man or the Spiritual Anatomy of Man. Beginning on page 93 in the section of The Faculties of Man's Spirit, starting with Sphere 8. The eighth sphere of the tree of life is the exact opposite of the seventh. While the latter coordinates parts to build holes, the eighth sphere separates holes into their parts. To illustrate, the seventh sphere takes the, the different components of language and assembles them into meaningful units. Oppositely, the eighth sphere will focus on each component, the nouns, the verbs, etc., in isolation from each other and the whole in order to study some aspect of them. While the seven sphere deals with how each component works with the others to create a workable and meaningful whole, the A sphere deals with the specific identifying characteristics of each member of a species. These two faculties make a very important contributions to the nature of society. The seven sphere is not only responsible for people's ability to work harmoniously, it recognizes the fact that the creation of complex wholes cannot be achieved without the element of differences between the parts. You can't have a painting with one type of shape and one color or a musical composition with one type of tone or one type of rhythm. In the same way, the world requires the vast diversity of ethnic and cultural elements in order to achieve prosperity. On the other hand, the eighth sphere focuses on the external and superficial differences between people and things and segregates them accordingly. Although there is a legitimate function for the segregative thinking of the eighth sphere, we will see that due to the lack of input into people's thinking from the higher faculties, the eighth sphere is the chief architect of man's social ills. The ninth sphere. In the ninth sphere, the faculty that governs man's learning during the early part of life. At this sphere is the part of the lower divisions of man's spirit. It corresponds to his spiritual infancy. A person's learning, therefore, comes from the outside, i.e. from other people and creatures. All acts of learning involve imitation and following. And given the immaturity of this level of being, such imitation is indiscriminate. This applies to all educational experiences from the cradle to postgraduate, from the streets to the academic halls, secular or spiritual. It is indiscriminate imitation that makes professional scientists swear by the scientific fact that their days that are latter are on proven to be no more than false theories. People's adherence to traditions and customs, whether these are secular, scientific, religious, cultural, etc., comes about in the same way. The danger inherent in this mode of learning is clear, yet it cannot be avoided. This fear is also the seat of memory, which is essential to learning. 
there are two very important facts concerning memory that must be understood. One is the fact that nothing that has been experienced is ever forgotten, no matter how out of view or difficult to recall it may be. The other is that many of our stored memories, especially those that are difficult to recall because of psychological suppression, exert powerful influences in shaping our beliefs and behavior. Given the fact that these types of memories are stored in the infancy of our spirituality, they are illogical and irrational in their makeup. Contributing to this irrationality is the characteristic mode of functioning of this faculty. Not only does it store experiences, it associates them on the basis of external qualities. Unfortunately, external qualities which serve well for identity tagging purposes do not contribute much to meaning. However, when we are trying to understand memory, throws up associated terms linked through their external qualities. As a result, most people misunderstand more than they understand. We will later see the full implications of this concept when we deal with the fact that the majority of people who do to the fact that the faculty of self-identity, the first fear is uninvolved, evolved, assemble their self-identity out of the memories of experiences that are stored in the ninth sphere. It amounts to, I am these failures and successes as my memory informs me. 10. The tenth sphere corresponds to two sets of principles in man, her sensory and physical bodies. 10a. The sensory body is the seat of our faculties of perception, sensual cravings, and expression. A study of human behavior based on the principles of spiritual science will reveal that there is a qualitative connection between the types of desires types of emotions and modes of perception dominating an individual's personality. These patterns of sensory mechanisms are integrated in the conception of temperamental classes. The various sets reflect the order established in the fourth sphere of the tree of life. Thus, humans are classified as fiery, watery, earthy, and airy. These are the metaphors for the various types of human classes according to their metabolic differences. Fiery people are hot and dry. This, that is to say, of high catabolic activity, which places their body heat in higher ranges. This increases the rate of their physical and psychological activities. They are lively, impatient, easy to anger, zealous, prone to acute illness, etc., Watery people are just the opposite. They are cold and moist. We will detail this principle of temperamental classifications later on. 10b. The lower part of the 10th sphere corresponds to the physical body, which is the vehicle that allows man, who as we have seen is a metaphysical being, to communicate with and act in a physical world. It is also the means through which the attainment of the illusion of being separate existences takes place. All things are differentiations and scrutinization, structuralizations of one infinite continuum of energy matter, 
while their essential unity is maintained in the higher metaphysical regions, their sense of separateness is affected through the physical state of energy matter. A comparative analysis of man's complementary faculties. In order to use the tree of life as a means of ordering our thinking and our living, it is necessary to understand the complementary relationships between certain sets of spheres. We will recall in chapter 6, the spheres of the tree were arranged in sets of complementary spheres, 0 to 10, 1 to 9, 2 to 8, 3 to 7, 4 to 6, and 5 by itself. A function of this, a function of this, a priori duality principle is that it holds the key to how people substitute the higher principles for lower ones during the early part of their evolution. In place of zero and one, they identify with 10 and nine, etc. And the best way to understand these principles is to view them within the perspective of the five principles governing man's life. Correlating to the tree, we get the following. The five principles governing man's life. It's a table that lists columns, column headings, principles, spheres, meaning. And then there's five rows. The first principle is peace in spheres zero and ten. The meaning is the ultimate why behind all actions, the emotion, pleasure, factor in life. The second principle is self in spheres one and nine, meaning what man thinks he is. The third principle is the will, spheres two and eight, meaning what man thinks he can achieve. Fourth principle, power, spheres three and seven, meaning how man achieves her goals. Principle five, laws, Spheres 4, 6, and 5, meaning man's relationship to God, other men, and the world. The why behind man's actions, 0, our essential nature versus the 10th sphere. In whatever way they have defined it, whether they have articulated their view of it or not, Underlying all human endeavors is the quest for happiness. But with, but what is that? While philosophers and psychologists have vexed themselves for ages seeking, seeking an answer, the tree of life, with its marvelous thought-ordering function, functions, guides us swiftly and easily to the answer. All things and events originate from the Pre, primordial, prime, prime order, ordile, energy, matter, which we know by now is a substance devoid of forms, structures, etc. This is due to the fact that its energy is in a state of perfect stability or serenity. Movement comes into being at a demand of time, time in the ordered, appropriate, 
apportioning of things, their place for manifestation and expressing themselves. Given the fact that no two things can occupy the same space at the same time as a matter in the subject realm has not been structured into things, there is no need for justification for time. This state of serenity or peace is the master or primordial energetic configuration of our spirit. In the Kemetic tradition, it was called Hetep. What we want and need most is peace. To achieve it, we must return the focus of our consciousness to zero, the subjective realm. This condition is the highest goal of meditation. It is the state of Hetep of the Kemetic tradition, Samdalahi Sarvampa Nirvana is the Hindu, Satori, and the Zen, Buddhist, and so forth. It is not a serenity that depends on outward conditions, such as the amount of money, weapons, the state of our love life, etc. Neither is it the fleeing from the cares of troubles of the world. Granted that returning returning consciousness to the subjective realm, its original level enables man to go through life with an un- assailable and independent calmness but along with this achievement there is the knowledge that one has also contacted the root of all divine power implicit in people's quest for happiness is not only the urge for emotional gratification there is also an urge for security and there is nothing that can give one more security than the acquisition of divine power. But as shown earlier, the return of consciousness to zero is the last step in our evolution. We are born with only the ninth and the tenth spheres active. And the tenth sphere is complementary to zero means that they are the ultimate motivators of our actions. As zero is dormant in the infancy of our spiritual evolution, there is no intuitive or instinctive influence urging the person to attain peace by the withdrawal of consciousness into the higher part of being. All urges in people's lives at this point is in evolution originate from the 10th sphere, which we learned is the set of desires, passions, emotions, etc., As this sphere is also our vehicle for communicating with the physical world, all emotions and desires are stimulated by information streaming in from the external world. Gratifying desires and emotional drives depend then on externals, which are under very limited control of the individual at this point in his evolution. Happiness to people at this stage of growth then is the gratification of emotions and desires which are dependent on achieving or manipulating externals. Getting a job, having someone's love or acceptance, having wealth, fulfilling the necessities of life, indulging the cravings for food, sex, etc. All emotions and desires are in reality states of tension and disequilibrium of the energies of the spirit. All responsive are emotions and desires are attempts to resolve the tensions that they represent. 
Unresolved man strives to return these energies to the original state of balance and serenity by gratifying the external stimuli that activate them. One day we will all, like sages have done, realize that the spirit's energies can only attain their equilibrium and serenity by being elevated to their original primordial level of being in the subjective realm. While the gratification of emotions and desires can bring only temporary joy, elevating our consciousness to the highest part of our being gives external peace, internal peace. This is true happiness. The value of this reality can be appreciated when we recall to mind the individuals who, in spite of having acquired great wealth and fame, ended by destroying their lives, either through an overt suicidal act or indirectly through living a very self-destructive life. The reason for this is that the 10th sphere is the animal division of man's spirit. It is called the Kaibit in the Kemetic spiritual tradition, K-H-A-I-B-I-T. Nephis and Nashat in the Canaanite Kalabalistic Umi Unzimba in the Zulu Ohiji in the Yoruba in the Pryama Kosha P R A N A Y A M-A, Kosha in the Linga Sierra in the Hindu. It is the blind principle that tempted the woman Isha who in turn tempted the man Ish or Ash, Asha who in turn tempted the man Ash and caused according to the Hebraic tradition, the fall of man. Hebraic tradition, the fall of man. It is unfortunate that so many Bible scholars have debated for centuries whether the serpents at one time or another were able to speak to people. The fact is that the Kamenite spiritual system, which is the source of the most Arabic tradition, the hieroglyphic symbol for this part of the spirit is a serpent. This part of the spirit is composed of subtle electromagnetic energies that have the function of animating, emanating man's life, especially the physical body. Hence the name animal spirit or amina and aminus, as it is called in the Latin spiritual tradition. Our modern use of the term animal to denote the creatures that are thus identified in this example of muddled thinking all things in this world are infused with this animating spirit this agrees with the laws of physics which states that all things are in the state of motion the creatures that we call animals are simply those that allow the greatest expression of the universal principle but it is the most it is of utmost importance to know that all things minerals vegetables minerals vegetals and humans 
are ensouled by this animal and emanating spirit to follow one's feelings and desires, to do it because you like it and so on, is to identify with the animal part of being. And as anyone would expect to allow oneself to be led by an animal can lead only to disastrous results. One's emotions, cravings, and desires can never be guides to living and to what is correct. This explains the violence and irrationality that so controls the life of the majority of people and in the world. The goal of spiritual culture is to lead man to the realization that the happiness, resolution of spiritual tensions that he seeks through worldly achievements or direct sensual indulgence can only be satisfied by returning to consciousness to the level of being that is only in legitimate place of equipes. E Q U I P O I S E of the energies of his being. Life on earth is by necessity an unending ebb and flow of tension and relaxation. It is an expression of movement, rhythm, and music, but we cannot let the blind tension of our tensions be our guides. We can never abolish them, but we need not allow our consciousness, the essence of ourself, to dwell in their place of manifestation. It is to eat very low of the tree. Ending at the middle of page 99, chapter 7, the cosmological view of man or the spiritual anatomy of man.